This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Brex. Designed specifically for venture-backed startups, Brex is the perfect corporate card for fast-growing companies. Head to brex.com and sign up with the promo TFR to get waived card fees for life. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Thanks for joining me for another installment of The Full Ratchet. Mike Collette returns to cover part two of The Fast No. We will cover questions including... Do you approach evaluation like a funnel process, and what methods do you use to accelerate decision-making? Do you see investors that operate with a trigger, where they make a commitment, but it doesn't trigger until a certain amount of capital has been raised? For entrepreneurs, is there anything they can do up front to target fast-response investors and avoid slow-no investors? Has Mike ever had an entrepreneur drag things out before committing to giving him an allocation? And finally, other pieces of advice and watchouts that he would suggest to both entrepreneurs and investors with regards to the fast no. Here's part two of the interview with Mike Collette of Promus Ventures. Mike, do you look at the evaluation process like a funnel process with phases and gates? And what specific methods do you use to accelerate your decision-making when there is a startup that you're highly interested in? Yeah. No, we do. We do look at investing as a as a funnel, as a step process. I mean, I think it's always, I don't know what those next steps are. I just know there's another step after the one we just took. And do I want to take that step? Right? And yeah. so, you know, you could accomplish a whole lot, even in the first meeting, where it's clear what that next step looks like. And then sometimes, you know, time ushers the steps to be faster. Sometimes in both sides, they agree that we should just kind of wait a second because we're not quite there. For us to get excited, one, we got to be knowledgeable and passionate about that, that space that the team's going after, right? And maybe it's on the periphery, but we understand the pain in the industry and we know what the customers are paying for and want for the solution. You know, I, I think as well that Every deal that we do, we are passionate about it as well, and we see how we can be helpful. If, if we can't be really helpful to a team, you know, it it goes hand in hand with your passion too. If you get so passionate about something, you're just telling every all your friends about it, and you're trying to help out that person as much as you can. If it's a model that you don't really care about, or something pivots into something you don't care about, right? You're going to get less helpful. So we want to we want to make sure those two are married. And then again, we're comfortable that the team knows what they're doing. So once all that's out of the way, then we want to get into the backgrounds of the founders to really understand what their character is, what is their founder market fit. And then we can dig into the business and the minds of the team to see how they're how they're looking at it. And once you start those conversations, it's not a laborious process for us because we've done the work up front, hopefully, right? Right. And you know, that if if you do that work. If you put in the work, good things usually happen. You know, old basketball coach always just told me, like, listen, the harder we practice, guys, the luckier you're going to get in the game. And, you know, there just there aren't any shortcuts in life. And I'm not 
Mr. Motivational Speaker right here, but it's just true. It, it, you know, so like I feel badly when we don't put in that work beforehand, but every team, everybody's got to do the work. And a lot of times you see, you don't see that in diligence. And, um, and so we, we, you know, we want to do as much as we can up front before we come in. Do you ever see investors that operate with a trigger where they make a commitment, but maybe it doesn't trigger until after a certain amount of capital has been raised or maybe a lead has been found? Uh, yeah, yeah. You'll see this in a lot of a lot of LOIs as well. And, and as we've led deals, we've put into letters that a round has to be a certain size. And, I, you know, I wouldn't so much call it a trigger, although it's more about like, listen, the business needs this amount of capital. Right. And so and so how do we how do we make sure that the team gets that amount of capital? And so you'll uh, we will only do a deal and it's not like so much well we're going to put in this only if you get this amount of money. The idea is like listen we want to raise about this or this. Uh you know the lead's going to put in a certain amount if that's you or somebody else and we always want to make sure that there's enough capital in that business to to move forward. So once you sort of hit those numbers then you know the round can move. Now every now and then you don't hit that, or maybe get close, and you can amend the docs. But you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I, th- I think you know those triggers are they are there, and they're there for a reason because nobody wants to you know invest in a bridge of nowhere. But you'll in, in earlier seed deals that's less likely. But you know when you start doing institutional two, two and a half, and then everything on, there's a minimum size for uh, for the rounds that you want to have. Mike, if I'm an entrepreneur, is there anything I can do up front to target fast response investors and to avoid slow no investors? Yeah, ask ask other founders who've worked <laughs> with those investors how quickly they move. I mean, no joke. Like it's a strongly correlated variable. <laughs> it's just it's a mate and and I, I tell everybody to do that. I mean, do your homework on these people you're calling. Yeah. Ask them like did they drag their feet? How were they in, in negotiations? Did they say everything they, were, they said they were going to do? Did they do everything they said they were going to say? Right. And um, they'll tell you, work with those people who come out well with that. That is the most important thing to avoid these investors who just sort of drag you through the ringer. Yeah. How better to get some information on investors than to talk to the portfolio companies? Well, absolutely. I mean, I love, and I wrote a post about this, uh, you know, earlier this year. Listen, I, I mean, if, if you got the wrong investors, you, you didn't do the work, you didn't do homework, right? I mean, I love investors who say, listen, I need, you know, I need two references from you. I want to talk to two of your founding portfolios, uh, you know, founders, whatever it is. I absolutely love that because they're doing their, they're doing their homework on me. And, you know, we hopefully have, have done what we need to do to, to be able to garner, you know, founders giving us and showing us things, right? And so, to me, that's not that, that's a sign of a very well thought out team that is going about this process like the way they're going to run their business, and we love that. We're happy to always give as many references. Turning the tables here, yeah. have you ever had an entrepreneur drag out things before committing that you'd get an allocation? <laughs> <laughs> no, Nick, never, never, Nick. <laughs> I'm going are, through one right now. <laughs> we are we are held in such high regard. Oh, come on! I mean, absolutely. Listen, I, I mean, absolutely. It just um, and I again, I, I don't, I don't want to bash on some founders who who have done that to us, 
because yeah, I'm sure we've been guilty of it in the past of doing similar things. Hopefully not. But I, I give some credence to some, sometimes teams just haven't been through this. And I really like the teams who are upfront about it, right? It's not some negotiating tactic to try to, you know, for you to know everything. Like, listen, I know everything. Like the humble guys say, you know, listen, I mean, maybe I, maybe it is a first time founder. We've been through this. So I'm learning. What are your thoughts on this? And, you know, I, I appreciate that, right? I'm not going to lie to them to try to get a better price. So, yeah, I think you have to really, really understand how things unfold at this, at this time. And I, I want to give some credit to some people who just haven't been through the process. Now, it's one thing when, you know, you love the person. This is great. Let's negotiate an LOI. Actually, we've, we're comfortable with it. And all of a sudden something turns, right? Yep. And, and whatever that is, it doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, the, when that momentum wanes, you sit there and say, all right, is the character of this person and the way they're running the round, the way that they're going to run the firm? And maybe we don't want to invest in someone who's doing it. So the ones that have happened that way, whether they work out or not, we sit back and say, that's totally fine. Listen, I mean, we're all big boys, not taking it. It's not personal. If you want to go that way, that's totally fine. It's different than like competing for a lead and not getting that and not getting in the deal. Like that's totally different. It's more of, yeah, we love you. You're great. Oh, by the way, you're not great in an email. Um, So (laughs) Listen, it's just life. There, there's so much opportunities out there. Life is way too short, so we don't get hung up on it. But yeah, it's, of course it's happened to us. Yeah, it seems like some of the deals where we've drug our feet in the past, the leverage shifts. So it goes from the entrepreneur trying to convince us to invest to all of a sudden they get a great lead or something, and then we're campaigning to uh, to get our allocation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, you know, sometimes in early stage stuff, you got to get your order in. Right. And we're not, you know, there are far better uh, investors than us out there or, you know, prettier girls at the ball, too. But, you know, as long as you've got something that's very clear about how you're going to help and and get in. But you'd hope you'd hope people value the ones who come early with their proof and their and their passion. Right. I mean, that's that's what you you love. The founders who who say we want to take care of our early investors because they brought us here. Mike, any other pieces of advice or maybe watchouts that you'd suggest to either entrepreneurs or investors uh, with regards to the topic today? Yeah, I, maybe I'll just hit on the you know something on that last piece, right? Communicate live with people. Uh, you know, we're in a world now <laughs> where everything is over email and text, and you know when we come to nose, unfortunately, when we come to nose and and have to deliver the news, we always do it over the phone. And not that we're martyrs or anything, but I'm always surprised at how teams thank us for calling us and telling us, thank you for the detailed reasons why you're passing and thank you for calling us directly and letting us know. And and, and all that tells me is there's still investors out there who don't do that. And there are are plenty of very, very good VCs that do all this and I'm sure far better than what we do. But this is a relationship, right? Life is about relationships. You know, I said, like, you're going on a bus ride for a long haul, hopefully, (laughs) right? You better like to have a beer with that person or what, like, you you better like, and the only way you're going to do that is to spend time. Yep. And even if it's maybe not together, get on the phone, right? Get on the phone and talk. If there's a tough part of a negotiation or there's something that doesn't make sense, and like, there always is, right? You know, I had a, I had a, (laughs) last night we're doing a follow on in, in a terrific team and, 
I forgot we were actually investing what we were investing. And I told them, yeah, all right, we're ready to move forward with this amount. And the founders call us back and they're like, wait, I thought you said this. And I'm like, oh yeah, I did say this. So get on the <laughs> phone. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to freak you out. Right. We're doing too much, too many deals. I got to like get some more sleep, whatever. But the point is like everything isn't done over email. Get on the phone, talk things out. I want to hear what that person's thinking. You know, most of the time it deflates, whatever. People love to go nuts on emails at times. And, you know, life's just a lot better in person or on the phone. So, you know, use your voice. And, and, and a lot of times when you do that, a lot of things, you know, get put back to back in the place they should be. Well, certainly your reputation of being approachable and supportive here in Chicago precedes you. So thank you. So to sort of wrap things up here, Mike, can you talk about some of the things you're currently most focused on? Yeah, we're quite focused on hardware now. Uh, we're, I don't know how many hardware deals we've done. I think the secret, unfortunately, is got out that hardware isn't as capital intensive as it once used to be, but it's still very hard, right? There's a reason that's, you know, the hard is in hardware. And there's a way that you should raise money and there's a way that you should think about the early days of a hardware company. And and we've seen enough companies now do it very well there that there is a little bit of a rubric to that. We really like hardware as a wedge and the software, again, and the back end and the data that come out of that is that's where the gold is. It always is. So we're going to continue to do a lot in there. Health tech has continued to be very interesting to us. We've We've done a bunch of investments in, in that space, and we don't do bio. Uh, we, we haven't got so much into into bio that a lot of VCs have done. On the data side, we'll touch FDA where it's really lightweight, but generally it, it's other ways to improve health. In space, we're doing a lot of work in space and AI as well. If we could address any topic in venture, what topic do you think should be addressed, and who would you like to hear speak about it? Goodness, well... <laughs> it's everybody's uh, we, favorite. <laughs> uh, we were talking the other day just about uh, incentivizing people to invest in startups. You know, over in London, Canada does this with their engineers. Finland does as well, right? The municipal and national governments have just done a great job of economically incenting people to invest in early stage businesses. And um, I, I just... I have a hard time understanding why anybody would be against that, given how much we spend in a lot of other areas and how important jobs are to to the economy. And, you know, small businesses are the engine of all job creation. And this whole wave of more and more people building startups and making it easier to build things and cheaper, like it is a fantastic thing for for the world, period. And so you know, I'd like to hear every VC talk about how we should be lobbying in ways to give incentives to people to invest, right? And there's a lot of really good folk who are who are doing that and trying to bring down the credited and qualified investor number and really let anybody invest in a startup, even if they don't have millions of dollars to their names or whatever all these levels are. I mean, you go through a test with your bank to lever up your home extraordinary ways. And I, I mean, we're not talking about levering up, you know, startups. We're just talking about basic investing. So, if people can go out and uh, invest in options, which to me are far more risky, or let's just say equally as risky at times as uh, as what investing in a startup would be, I think there should be some requirements. I, I, I'm not flippant enough to think that startups are easy. And you should make a lot of money, but 
I think the barriers should come down far more. I think there should be incentives around it. And I'm surprised more people haven't talked about it, but um, that would be an area I'd love to hear more about. And finally, what's the best way for listeners to connect with you? Sure. Well, I can be reached at Mike at promisventures.com on the email. We give high high value to uh, to hustlers, right? You know, we don't answer many, you know, very few of the cold emails we get, but we will. And you know what? I see them all. I look at them all. So I, I have no problems people reaching cold calling us at all. I'm at Twitter at Mike at Mike Collette. You know, we have the blog at Promise Ventures and, and MikeCollette.com. You can reach me any of those places. Well, Mike, I've continued to hear really positive things about Promise from folks I've met with and feel very fortunate to have had a chance to connect with you a few weeks ago. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your thoughts with us today. Nick, thanks so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Brex. Your startup is going to change the world, and the right corporate card will get you there even faster. The Brex corporate card for startups offers 10 to 20 times higher limits than traditional corporate cards, automated expense tools, and huge rewards like four times points back on travel, three times back on restaurants, and two times back on recurring SaaS spend. And all with no personal guarantee. Sign up at Brex.com and get waived card fees for life with the code TFR. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Assure. For over three years, Newstack has been raising capital on a deal-by-deal basis, allowing individual investors to select each startup investment. Assure is the company behind the scenes that powers this process. When we have 10, 20, or 30 angels investing in a startup, we can't put all those folks directly on the startup's cap table. So those investors are rolled into a special purpose vehicle that occupies just one line item on the cap table. And Assure handles all ongoing fees, finances, and K-1s for us. We pay a one-time upfront fee, and avoid all the required yearly admin filings and bills. If you run an angel group, or you would like your LPs to invest in deal-by-deal sidecars, go to assure.co slash TFR for 20% off your first SPV. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Really great to get Mike on the program. It's pretty rare that we get somebody running a 50-person firm on the show here. Uh, So special thanks to Mike for doing it. Let's recap the key takeaways. Number one is called early conversations with downstream investors. Mike mentioned how the best founding teams are having conversations with the A and B investors while they're at the seed stage. Strong Series A investors want to track the startup, look at the data, and get a better sense for the founding team. And this can also be a signal to the seed investors that the founders are thoughtful about the partners that they want to work with once they get to an A. We've talked previously on the episodes with Peter Wilkins and Samil Shaw about the importance of the post-seed plan and the path to Series A. But today's interview showed that there's a strong opportunity to cultivate these relationships even prior to closing a seed investment. The second takeaway is called Time to Close. In the interview, Mike cited preparedness as having the most impact on time to close. When the investor has done their homework on the startup, 
And the founders have done their homework on both their materials as well as the investors they're meeting with. Negotiation will move along much more quickly and the likelihood of financing increases. When investors speak with a prepared founding team, this signals a level of commitment, thoughtfulness, and founder market fit. Does the team have the data room ready? How well have they built the startup's foundation legally? And how responsive is the team with questions and meeting requests? These discussions can move as fast as two, three, or four weeks when the startup is prepared and has the data room ready. All right, the third and final takeaway is called communication. Mike had some great advice with regards to communication. His first point here had to do with entrepreneurs avoiding investors that drag out the process. His suggestion was for founders to speak with other founders that have worked with the investors. And these portfolio companies can give insight not only on the speed of decision, but also how the investors have been as a partner through the entire process. The other key point on communication was to get out of email. Whether one is negotiating or delivering a decision, it's not hard to pick up the phone and talk through the thought process. Ultimately, this is still a relationship business and real relationships are not built over email. Okay, let's wrap up with the tip of the week. And this week's tip is called Skip the Puffery. Sensational language has permeated our everyday lives. I can't make it through a scroll of my Twitter feed without encountering a provocative headline baiting me to click. And unfortunately, this exaggerated language has extended to the world of entrepreneurship. Killing it, crushing it, stellar. These superlatives are not often used by the truly great startups. And in this week's interview, Mike even said that Promus takes these statements as a contrarian indicator. He looks for calm, confident, visionary teams that recognize how hard it is to build a great company. Mike said, We want a startup team that understands that startup land is not an amusement park down the street from Disneyland. Please do not get into building a startup because you think it's sexy and you can tell your friends you're a CEO. This is stinking hard work and most fail. There are many in the industry that sell the glamour and excitement of starting a company. And this ideology is co-opted by many a startup founder with dreams of celebrity and riches. The countless blogs and even podcasts furthering this myth are only leading young, impressionable individuals down a really hard path. So today I say, skip the puffery. Regardless of which side of the table you're on, real confidence requires no hyperbole. That'll wrap things up for today. As always, guest links and show notes will be on the website, fullratchet.net. And go to AngelList and check out the Syndicate Newstack Ventures. Uh, it's pretty easy to become a backer. There is no financial requirement to become a backer, although it does ask you to enter a figure. This only enables you to see the deals we're doing. And of course, you will have the option of electing in if the deal is a good fit for you. All right, stay tuned for the next release of Investor Stories coming out here in a few days. Uh, it will be a special version where myself and the other lead investor, Justin Label, will be talking about our investment in a startup. Hope you tune in for that. Until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. See you again soon. Oh, 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 oh,